Welcome to Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast. I'm Chuck Slatkin, and I'm here with my co-host, Steve Gould. Welcome, Steve. Hey, Chuck. Good hearing and seeing you uh, once again, and I look forward to us uh, uh, plowing the fields of movie dope. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, as advertised, or at least uh, as uh, discussed previously, uh, we talked about doing something about the Janus uh, Film Festivals, which uh, played uh, many a summer at the Elgin uh, back in the uh, 1970s. So, uh, you know, maybe you want to talk a little bit about how yeah. the Janus Film Festival came to be or Janus Collection. Sure. And I guess we should let our uh, listeners know about the old days because, you know, with no social media, um, we printed up these giant sheets. We had uh, 30 double bills or 60 films that went from like uh, June to almost Labor Day. And uh, the uh, thing that we printed up was probably uh, as big as a bed sheet for a kid. I mean, you could take four of them and paper your apartment. Um, but Janice, uh, was a thing that started. And, you know, the thing that surprised me when I was uh, uh, looking up stuff about Janice, uh, leave it, hey, listen, you and I, you know, it was the old uh, pink flamingo and the harder they come. So you can always count on theater operators for doing something right. And it was uh, two guys back in the uh, mid fifties, uh, Brian Halliday and Cyrus Harvey that started a, uh, a theater called The Brattle in, in uh, Harvard Square area, Cambridge. They started showing movies and then they, uh, they decided, well, you know, let's do something. And they uh, took over in New York, the 55th Street Playhouse. And then that led to doing uh, Janus Films and turning that into a, a company that, you know, was really a boffo. And then the guys that uh, ran it like uh, up until uh, they died. And now I think one of their kids runs uh, Janice now, but in the age of social media now, it's uh, also hooked in because they own Criterion Films, which is a way that people can, uh, I guess, rent and or buy uh, the films in the Janice collection. So that about sums up where we started with uh, Janice and I, I guess you and I kind of uh, were cherry picking on our big Janice summer collection sheet so what uh, what you got one you want to jump in on Chuck? You know thinking upon uh, a lot of these different films had impact on me in, in different ways but I kind of remember seeing the, the silence I mean uh, I wasn't a film student prior to, to, to the Elgin. I saw lots of movies and, uh, that I enjoyed and liked and whatever, but I really hadn't been heavily into silent films at all. So when I got to the Elgin, it was kind of a place that was educating me. And one of the first films that I saw at the Elgin was uh, Charlie Chaplin's The Gold Rush. Wow. 
And I, you know, I had no idea, you know, I'd seen, you know, silent shorts on TV and whatever. I had no idea what I was about to see when I sat down in, in, in the Elgin Theater itself to, to watch them on the big screen. And the first thing that came up when the, you know, the film began was it said a dramatic, a dramatic comedy. Now this this is 1925 we're talking about that <laughs> this film yeah. was made so right away it like you know drew me in and I was uh, you know familiar with the Charlie Chaplin you know little tramp persona or whatever it was he was known as in playing that and then and I, I'm expecting to see that character in this film right but I had no idea you know the, the depth of the movie. The, the, the story, the narratives, the, the, the character development I was going to see, the incredible, you know, scenes, spectacular scenes and whatever. I, you know, I, I, I was totally blown away by, uh, uh, by, 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 by this film. It, I, I could feel my, you know, mind opening, you know, to understanding, you know, first of all, the brilliance of, of, of this man who is, you know, he, he, he wrote the film, he directed the film, he produced the film, he starred the film. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a Charlie Chaplin film, all right, but there was, you know, a cast and he was involved in bringing these stories you know, forward. So it was like, uh, uh, I mean, it was funny and, and, and the character was there as the, uh, you know, prospector and, and relationships with the other people and, and, and Georgia, all, all of that was like, great and phenomenal but the size and scope of the movie and what yeah. this man did was just you know i would say it was you know a life-changing for me yeah. well that's great you know that's what uh, that's what we always uh, hoped when we'd uh, get asses and seats at the elgin you know whether it was you know i have to say when you started off and you were talking about silence i thought well, wait a minute Oh, is he going to be talking about Bergman's film, The Silence? No, you meant silence as a plural thing for silent movies. Right. But right. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely phenomenal when you have an opportunity of uh, seeing something for the first time and you really, you know, uh, get turned on and get to appreciate it so much. So uh, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I mean, I had that with uh, a, a film that uh, really is uh, something that uh, both my wife Nancy and I uh, have seen a few times and we absolutely love for uh, a variety of reasons, but I'd never seen it before. It was exciting. It was the first film I ever saw in uh, Portuguese and uh, it starred a, a lovely uh, African-American woman, uh, Marpesa Dawn, and it was... Uh, based on uh, the classic story of uh, uh, Orpheus and Eurydice uh, called Black Orpheus. And it was an incredible, incredible film and the, the soundtrack. And uh, I guess because of the music and, and what was happening, uh, like when we had the uh, Elgin at that time, the bossa nova was so hot and the music was, mm -hmm. but it was so exciting. I mean, uh, and uh, the voodoo scenes in it. Uh, I just, uh, 
I just was uh, absolutely obsessed. And anytime that we have an opportunity to see it, we'll, uh, we'll look at it again. So those, those are things that uh, I hope it happens to uh, each of our listeners that they uh, have really uh, seen a film that they had never seen before or type of film and they get blown away because it, it really is uh, an exciting part of your life. Uh, so, well, I'll complete my double bill as we okay. presented on, okay. on, on the Janus, on this particular sure. Janus uh, Summer Film Festival was okay. uh, room service with the Marx oh. that played oh. with uh, you know uh, uh, Chaplin's uh, uh, Gold Rush. So I am much more familiar, say, with the Marx Brothers films that I had seen on television you know, over, over the years. But I again, I wasn't necessarily prepared to see room service, you know, uh, for what it was because it was very much different. Than, in my opinion, than all the other Marx Brothers films. And then as I you know, learned more about it, I, and I understood that this was a, a, that this wasn't written for them. Right? This, this was a, 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 a screenplay uh, based on, on a stage play. Yeah. And that in a sense, uh, they played these parts. So we, we, we don't... Uh, see them playing, uh, you know, musical instruments in the, in this particular film that was there and most of the other Marx Brothers uh, movies. And, uh, but it was still, you know, them. And it was great. And for, you know, Marx Brothers fans, I mean, it, it, it delivers. It's an excellent movie, a well-made movie. And it really yeah. is considered, you know, you know, one of the great films of all times. But you know, to certain like Marx Brothers people, it's 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 not the top film because <laughs> it no, doesn't. That's that's true. They're 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 their way of yeah. relating to each other, and 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 and, and whatever. And and the int- so the, the the story is you know about this uh, uh, theater group that's staying in a hotel. They you know. Groucho is in charge of the group and he, they can't pay the, the bill and all of this stuff, but it's interesting. So this one of the uh, performers actually has a contact with, with an agent that may fund this thing. And, and that part, which was a relatively small part and not that spectacular part it, in the film was played by Lucille Ball. She's the... The, the the young actress who, who has the, the connection for the guy to get the uh, the, the money. So, that, you know, that was just a, another aside. But I mean, I, I love the film. I've, I don't know how many times I, I've, I've seen it. And it just shows you, you know, like the different levels of comedy and how you can re- relate to it on, on, on different levels. So like uh, 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 Chaplin, was phenomenal in what he did and the way he presented it and, and, and the artistry of the, uh, you know, of the film that he made. And here are the Marx Brothers appearing in this film that wasn't written for them, doing a good job and bringing, you know, who they are, are to it, you know, and I, and I love them both. And uh, it, it was a double bill that, as far as I'm concerned, could play forever. Good, yeah. Well, the other one uh, went from one continent, from uh, 
South America to uh, to Europe, and uh, it was uh, somebody who. And I thought I'd bring this up because uh, a lot of uh, of the cancel culture now, and uh, I still think that uh, uh, when filmmakers are you know make a great film, I still like to give them credit for it. And uh, this was the first film, 19. 62, the first full-length feature, I should say, he made a lot of shorts before that, of uh, Roman Polanski. And he did it in his native language, Knife in the Water. And um, probably some of our younger listeners might have seen a film that came out about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago called Dead Calm. And it really uh, was the same thing about, you know, a, a couple with a yacht, they wind up with a young guy, you know, in Polanski's film, Knife in the Water, they almost run over this uh, hitchhiker guy and they befriend him, take him along. And it becomes like a menage a trois on the boat and stuff. So I don't want to give a lot away, but um, it was a very, very tension filled film, Knife in the Water and beautifully executed. It's a black and white film. And uh, I, uh, I I thought uh, Polanski, I mean, he's uh, He's made, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's you know, uh, getting up there. He's in his uh, uh, late 70s now. But uh, he's, he's made uh, a good deal of films. I forget how many now. I think he's made about uh, 30 films. And he still is active in Europe because he's done um, uh, some commercials for films. Uh, 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 perfume com companies and stuff like that. So, uh, and, you know, he's been known for a, a lot of other films, but I really like his uh, kind of auteur, uh, his, his, his magic that he puts on screen in Knife in the Water. And that was when he was a young Polish kid starting out. So that was that. And uh, of course, you know, in the days, let's say pre- cassette and certainly pre-social media and streaming, no uh, repertory cinema in the U.S. in their right mind would go without having uh, a couple of, and that's why I picked some of uh, the double bills I did, uh, in their right mind would ever go through a, a summer or a period where they were having a festival uh, without adding Hitchcock's uh, 39 Steps and the Lady Vanishes. I mean... Uh, <laughs> That's almost like a play it to death Sam thing. Uh, but every, everybody loves uh, those two films. Hitchcock was an exciting guy. He made uh, almost a dozen films every decade for uh, years and years up until the 70s when he was getting older. It was only making like four or five. But uh, these were, uh, I think, in the, uh, in the, uh, in the 30s. And uh, I just I just found uh, especially 39 steps because it was that spy thing. And that was the secret society. And this guy gets uh, caught in this web and winds up with another uh, a, a woman. And I mean, it's just uh, those th those two films where the lady vanishes where there was a woman in the uh, in the carriage of uh, the train that this other woman was on and say no no she was here and everybody going yeah 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 this this broad's nuts so i mean both of those films he's just so consummate in in his uh 
use of uh, suspense that, you know, uh, Hitchcock has always been added to the mix with many of his films, but those two that are part of the Janus collection, I just think if, you, if you've if you never heard of them or certainly haven't seen them, that you really have to, even if it's late night television or you, you know, uh, uh, rent them through your uh, whatever source you have, see them because they're, they're terrific suspense films, albeit black and white, of course. Oh, very good. Uh, uh... Before I go on, I, I'd like to take a minute to just uh, ask people to please follow us on Twitter at Elgin Movie, on Instagram at Elgin Movie Watchers, on Facebook at Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast, and you could always uh, contact us uh, by email at elginmoviewatchers at gmail.com. I hope they got out their, uh, their quill and parchment and wrote all that down. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we, we'll, we'll keep uh, saying it. Uh, maybe okay. even one more time uh, during this, uh, okay. this uh, uh, program. And uh, All right. I guess, you know, I guess if we were still programming for the Elgin, maybe we would uh, show Knife in the Water with a Woody Allen movie. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, so, you know, a lot of the things that I, I'm interested in are drawn to have a political bent to them and uh, i guess that's as is your want <laughs> as is my want and uh, you know i uh, i still have a want uh, even though it's uh, not covered as it used to be by my insurance uh, <laughs> so sergey eisenstein a filmmaker oh. who uh oh. i Fabulous. Uh, Again, it's, it's these are f films that you know blew me away because w what they are in its own right. Well, the Battleship of Potemkin. It's a, it's an again it's a, a 1925 uh, Soviet silent film, you know, made uh, eight years after the uh, the, the revolution, and I Eisenstein was definitely somebody of a political bent and, and, and it uh, tells the story of uh, a crew of a Russian battleship, Potemkin, that uh, rebelled against its officers. It, it, it has an interesting history because uh, uh, it was clearly written as, as propaganda. I mean, this was propaganda for, for the revolution. But sure. even within the, in that context, it's just a fantastically made film. I mean, that's like the storyline or what was behind it and, and whatever, but it was also the, the, the school that uh, Eisenstein came out of, they were like beginning to experiment or put together uh, the idea of doing montages in films. So that's like, a, you know, you're, you're seeing the, the, the artistry for this work, it's incredible. And the storyline, I mean, it, the story works, but it's clearly, uh, you know, the- uh, Polemic. <laughs> the sailors who are rebelling against the, uh, the, 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 the their lords. I mean, we, we know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. And, uh, but as it turned out, when the film was released, it wasn't, it, it wasn't that popular in, 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 in the Soviet Union. I mean, lots right. of people 
you know, didn't see it. And it wasn't until it was shown around the world that people began to uh, realize, you know, what a great film it was. And, and one of the people who uh, really thought it was a fantastic film and learned a lot from it in terms of his thinking, what he was going to do was Joseph Goebbels. Oh, oh Joseph got something from Sergei. Yeah, well, he saw the film and he said that anyone who had no firm political convictions would see this film and become a Bolshevik. And it really impressed Goebbels wow. that that's what film could do. You know, so that's, that was far is that from when he Is that right? when he brought in uh, uh, Lenny? <laughs> Triumph of the Will. So another Eisenstein film, and this has a very different history. It came out later in, 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 in 38, 13 years after uh, Battleship Potemkin, and it was his first sound film in, in, in 38. And it was uh, Alexander Nevsky, which is, tells the story of the uh, invasions of the Novgorod in the 13th century by the Teutonic Knights of the whole Holy Roman Empire. At that time, relationships between the Soviet Union and Germany weren't that great. <laughs> so- In the least, yes. So, so the, uh, the message was that this was not a very positive uh, film about the- uh, Teutonics. The Teutonics and the, yeah. the Germans, whatever. So then, you know, uh, but then things changed. There was a pact, a non-aggression pact between uh, the Soviet Union and and uh, Nazi Germany, and and once that pact was signed, you can you couldn't see Alexander Nevsky anywhere. That was wow. no longer shown. He it was pulled out because now we have to get along with these people, and and they didn't want to play it, and in Russia it didn't play it because in in Nevsky. Nevsky, like I'm close to it, but there was, you know, there was like, you know, swastikas and all kinds of stuff throughout the film, and and uh, it was a serious, you know, political film. It was against, you know, priest and Catholicism and bishop and whatever he was was had swastikas on us. It was just un unbelievable, and it was. Uh, uh, socialist realism or whatever they was supposed yeah. to be done at, done at, done at that time and uh but then once it changed right once all of a sudden germany and soviet union were at war well all right bring out it could be uh shown uh everywhere and yeah. and the 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 film was uh well, I don't really call it hits in those days, but the film was, you know, very uh, successful. And there's some way they talked about the fact that the, uh, that it was one of the most popular films of all time, that something like 23 million people, you know, saw Alexander Nevsky. This was like a, 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 a big hit. And the, the score was by Prokofiev and, yeah. uh, you know, it influenced uh, people because again, I mentioned Woody Allen, so I guess it was on my mind from this. Yeah. But uh, Love and Death, when he does that, you know, part 
parroting the whole Russian film and literature, he uses the soundtrack from Nevsky, Alexander oh, Nevsky. In oh, I didn't realize Nevsky. that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So anyway, it's, you know, uh, again, it's, uh, it's the films itself, the, 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 the brilliance of, 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 of Eisenstein, but also oh, yeah. the, the political aspect of what these, you know, in a sense, propaganda films trying to get this message out. Yeah. And then also the way the films themselves, you know, react to its time and place in history, you know, all reasons yeah. that the, 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 the the, the films are uh, uh, fascinating to me. Yeah, but you know, the thing about uh, about them, I, I'm not that familiar with Nevsky. I think I've only seen it once, mm. but uh, I've seen Potemkin uh, lots yeah. of times, um, that even if somebody is apolitical, um, they can get so much out of it because Sergei Eisenstein was such a phenomenal filmmaker. I mean, he really was. I think... Isn't a uh, the uh, in Potemkin that famous scene that they use all the time of the baby carriage going down the stairs in yeah. the train yeah. station? And actually, I believe in one of his films, uh, Bogdanovich did an homage to uh, Eisenstein because there's a scene in one of his films in a uh, train station of a baby carriage going down the stairs. So uh, those are two uh, must-see films if you, uh, if, you, if you really haven't for uh, the sake of, I mean, all the close-ups, that guy that his eyeglasses broke. I mean, yeah. in those days, there weren't a lot of use of close-ups either, and uh, Eisenstein was doing that. Yeah, so those are those are good ones. Those are good ones. Oh yeah, and also in 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 the film uh, Red Dawn, that classic. Oh the, uh, yeah, the marquee in in the movie theater in occupied America was playing was 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 playing Alexander Nevsky. Oh wow, those are very very powerful scenes. And you know, one of the uh, the other uh, well, the other films that. Uh, I uh, wanted to highlight, and uh, when I started looking at these, uh, uh, the number of films that this guy made, actually there was a, a movie about him that just uh, well didn't get an Academy Award, but it was made about him as uh, as a young uh, writer, and that was Dear Orson Welles, who certainly has had his ups and downs with studios and 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 uh, other issues, but. Uh, I, I looked through his list of films that he was making, and by decades, he was averaging between 15 and 20 films a decade. I mean, it's, uh, it's absolutely uh, uh, amazing to, uh, that, that somebody could uh, be uh, that not only prolific, but that uh, most of the films were good, you know, as cinema goes, uh, and uh, if you didn't like them, at least you talked about them, you know, like uh, that uh, Chimes at Midnight or Falstaff, you, people go, oh, oh, you know, the, the two films that, and one of them uh, is used in, you know, in uh, cinema courses and uh, for young filmmakers to go and see, and that's certainly uh, Citizen Kane. And it really is incredible that this young guy who started out, you know, uh, in radio with that Mercury Theater and uh, 
and uh, doing the war of the worlds and people freaking out thinking that <laughs> mars had had invaded and stuff uh but uh briefly thereafter turns into such a phenomenal uh filmmaker and somebody in, in a political sense like you were talking about yeah. i mean he was taking on uh hearst right you know i mean charles foster kane in that movie was none other than william randolph so uh and and in that film were just some really phenomenal uh uh cinema specialties in terms of uh, uh, up shooting and handheld and, and uh, really wild stuff. But uh, with, with that is uh, another film of his that I like probably as much because it showed his, his romantic side. I mean, it was kind of touching and that was the magnificent Ambersons which was about, you know, a world that was changing and uh, Joseph Cotton getting caught in those changes. You know, those, those films uh, that uh, Janice kept in their collection were uh, absolutely uh, in, incredible. I mean, uh, they, they could offer, you know, whether it was, you know, a Tisch School of the Arts with their film course, they could just, uh, you know, show a bunch of Janice films and uh, the, the kids watching, you know, it's like they're getting a, a lesson in, 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 uh, in cinema, you know, whether it's cinematography or screenplays or, or how, how to deal with things of political nature. Uh, um, and uh, I, I, I love the fact that we were able to do that. Well, I just want to yeah, comment on Magnificent Amazons, Ambersons, which is a great film, and Citizen Kane, which is like one of my, you know, top yeah. films. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that movie. Yeah. And, I, and, and I remember my father, who was somewhat of a photographer, amazed at how everything was sharp and in focus. Yeah. Up front and way in the, in the back and whatever. He, he, he would... Uh, talk about uh, Citizen wow. Kane, which he came to see at the Elgin, which was uh, uh, which was a, a nice bit of history there. But it was great uh, films that struck me. And, and again, I'm really not going to talk about a double bill on this one, because the only reason I would have even gotten into the second film was because it was appearing with this first film. So I'll just deal oh, with the first okay. film. All right. Which okay. is uh, Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors. Oh, yeah. I know you love that one. Which, in, in, in a sense, to be honest, it, the film to me was so beautiful. Yeah. Such a visually just spectacular. That like poetry. That, yeah, that the, the, the storyline was okay. And it was, and every other aspect of the film was fine. There are people who consider it. A, a great film but to me it was probably you know it's like a like a romeo and juliet thing actually so uh the the filmmaker parajanov <laughs> sergey i i'm big into sergey's with this thing so he was an armenian but he made the film in the in ukraine i mean this is this is probably the most famous or the biggest ukrainian film in history so wow so for, for whatever uh, uh, that 
because it was based, the, the novel that it was based on, uh, Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors, was written by a, a Ukrainian uh, writer. Uh, and wow. and I, I'll destroy this name because it's my, Mykahalo Katsuyubininsky or something like that. Okay, I whatever you say. I, I apologize to Mr. Mykahalo for messing up uh, his name, but, uh, you know, it it, uh, it came out in, in 1965. It got good reviews. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it did business and people, uh, you know, liked it, but, uh, you know, it wasn't like a linear film. There were all kinds of things coming at you with different images and you know, music and noise, everything. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was beautiful. It, it was, really yeah, was. Absolutely a beautiful film. So again, you know, uh, I would say, you know, this would be one film that I would take up Steve's lead on and say, you know, even if you have the really large screen at home, if you can see this in a movie theater, do yourself yeah. a favor because it's shadows right. of forgotten ancestors that I, when we would play it, I would sneak into the theater, whatever I could just to, just to, to, to feel the, the, the beauty and the excitement of this film. So that's yeah. another one that I had to comment on. Yeah. Good. Uh, and I, you know, I have, I have one and actually I saw the last two double bill, uh, last double bill, these two films, I did not see initially at the Elgin, but at a competition, uh, a competitor of the Elgin before I even worked at the Elgin, uh, when I first uh, moved here to Manhattan back in the uh, you know mid '60s. Lionel Rogerson had a uh, had a theater on Bleecker Street called the Bleecker Street Cinema. You know he, he was worth his salt with uh, knowing what to program. And for the summer, he put in a double bill that, by God, I bet you every repertory uh, cinema from here to uh, to Timbuktu has played them. And it was the uh, Francois Truffaut uh, double bill. And it was uh, uh, Shoot the Piano Player with Charles Aznavour, who, my God, lived you know, up until uh, just a few years ago as uh, a real French crooner and a piano player. And then Jules and Jim with, uh, with uh, let's see, that was Oscar Werner and Jean Monroe. And they were, uh, it, it was just something that uh, was so, uh, you know, I don't know, exciting. It was French, you know. And at that time, Truffaut was uh, with all of the young guys in uh in, and one woman uh, in Paris uh, as part of that new wave cinema. You know, he had uh, made with uh, Antoine Douanel 400 Blows, but uh, you had all of these guys from that were almost like just egghead writers uh, for the Cahiers uh, 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 de Cinema, which was a magazine that came out periodically about film and it was uh, Jacques Rivette who eventually married Agnes Varder and one of my all-time favorite French filmmakers Claude Chabrol and then Jean-Luc Godard and then Jacques Demy who made the um, uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg and a few others but uh, the, those two films typify to me the double bill that 
as a young person in a, a in a new city or going to university somewhere, if they went in and saw shoot the piano player and Jules and Jim, they'd say, "Wow, well, this is this is great." And uh, so that's why I wanted to uh, in, include uh, the two of them. So um, I don't know. I think that uh, we gave people a pretty good taste of that large wallpaper size uh, <laughs> uh, program that we always did for the Janus Summer Film Festival, huh? Yeah, I would say so. I would just also just throw in without getting into great detail about them. Okay. Another, uh, the grand illusion and rules of the game. Oh, which is fabulous. Which is Renoir. Oh. phenomenal uh, 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 films, uh, anti-war people, uh, anti-war film and, and uh, yeah. uh, taking uh, rules of the game about the classes, difference in classes. Yeah. And then also throw in because we, you know, just, you know, you know, mentioned it and talking about uh, uh uh beauty and the beast and king kong as as, as a double bill was, was oh yeah phenomenal. yeah i forgot yeah. that yeah you uh and we uh oh uh cocteau is oh yeah beauty yeah. and the beast hey listen disney liked it they made millions on it <laughs> well, well, but to me it was like when the first time i saw beauty and the beast and 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 I saw it in color, even though it was a black and white film. That's that. That's okay. the best way I could comment on 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 on, on its beauty. Okay. And then also, you know, the King Kong versions that we showed at the Elgin. Oh yeah. Put, putting in the the, the the censored or the tape edited out 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 scenes, you know, and it's just you know. Yeah. You know, they didn't just, want any gorilla sniffing. That's right. Yeah. Well, I would just say you know, just you know, King Kong. Uh, uh, Sniffing his fingers after he, you know, grabbed a Fay Ray. I mean, it's, yeah. it's something yeah. that stays in my in my mind forever. So yeah. I, I would I would just say that those are also uh, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, that I was popcorn time. I mean, even that they were from the '30s, man. That was those were popcorn movies. <laughs> oh yeah, so I so I I agree with you, Steve. Uh, I I think we gave the. Uh, people a, a, a good bit of, of, of the flavor of, of what the Janice Film Festival. And before, you know, I, I turn it back to you, I want to ask people again to please follow us on Twitter at Elgin Movie, on Instagram at Elvin, Elgin Movie Watchers, that's Instagram at Elgin Movie Watchers, Facebook at Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast, and you can contact us at any time via email at elginmoviewatchers at gmail.com. Boy, wouldn't it be great, Chuck, if uh, on that contact us, somebody uh, writes back and say, hey, you know, I saw Blah Blah uh, at the Summer Film Festival at the Elgin. I'd, I'd love to hear that. Well, so that would, that I'll, would be good. Uh, I'll wait for that. All right. Okay. Well, listen, I think we uh, I think we did it justice. And I hope people got the spirit of the type of things that we uh had for the film festival uh, in that period of time where you couldn't uh, say, oh, I'm going to stream it or, uh, oh, no, no, I'm going to buy it, you know? So anyhow. Well, if people haven't seen the films that we, we mentioned, they should do themselves a favor and, and see them as best they can, you know, yep. streaming or whatever. And even if they've seen it, you know, some of these films, you know, oh, do yeah. yourself a favor and check them out again because... Yep. 
the beauty of these films and then the strength and the artistry of them is they're as good now as they ever were. Amen. That we should uh, also remind folks that uh, Janice Films actually owns the Criterion Collection and many of those, almost all of the uh, films that we mentioned uh, in this and in the Janice Collection are available through uh, Criterion. And I, I think there's a couple of others, Chuck, uh, uh, other uh, uh, streaming well, services. H HBO Max has a number of uh, films as well. You know, you should really check out your streaming services as well. And uh, we, we've heard that the, uh, the uh, Marx Brothers films are hard or impossible to find that way. So all the other films we talked about, uh, we can, you can, uh, most of them you can find somewhere. So, all right, Steve. Well, all right, Chucks, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you at the next movie, huh? That's it. See you at the movies and see you at the next episode of Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast. Okay. Take care. Thank you.